Hello and welcome to our first 2023 summer podcast where this time we'll be talking through the impact of managing stress at work. To talk us through this topic today I'm joined by CWJ's partner and head of employment Laura Claridge. So family issues, health problems, financial strains, I think it's fair to say that everyone is affected by stress to some degree throughout their lives. Um, Experiencing stress in the workplace is now recognised as a major contributor to poor performance, low productivity, poor employee morale, and also a significant impactor on employees' well-being. So I've got some statistics for you. Um, It's estimated that over half of all absences in the workplace are lost due to work-related ill health. Uh, Common workplace health issues include stress, depression and anxiety, where it's estimated that at least one in three people will experience these problems to some degree during their career. Um, While the exact figure is unknown, many sources estimate that around 17 million days are lost to workplace stress every year, um, costing the UK economy anywhere between four and £28 billion per year. So, With workplace stress causing such a significant problem to employees and the business, you would think that UK businesses have become adept at managing stress. Well, unfortunately, this isn't the case. An ACAS survey in 2023 concluded that at least a third of workers believe their organisation is not effective at managing stress at work. There is some good news, though. Um, There are significant resources available to help employers develop stress management processes in order to promote employee well-being and have a positive impact on employee engagement, absentees and performance, so on and so forth. Okay, so we have some questions that Laura will give us her thoughts and insight on. The first one is important to fully understand the problem. So, Laura, what is stress? Hi, Chris. Yeah. So stress um, is defined by the health and safety executive as the adverse reaction people have to excessive pressures or other types of demand placed on them at work. So it's a response to excessive work demands, which challenges an employee's ability to cope. And it's often made worse when employees feel they don't have support from supervisors or colleagues or if they lack control over work processes. It's not an illness of itself but can be a trigger for illness or exacerbate other health conditions like anxiety or depression or even some physical conditions. Um, And it's something that we come across a lot, um, not only because people are stressed at work, but there are also lots of external causes of stress as well. People are stressed due to the cost of living. There could be a breakup at home. And all of these things can affect how uh, people are at work. So what should we do when an employee tells us that they are stressed at work? So it's important to investigate any underlying issues in line with your duty of care to employees. Sometimes we find that employers will take the view that it's the employee's problem that they're stressed and something for the employee to figure out and deal with for themselves. But there are positive duties on the employer to limit and avoid stress and not just leave this to chance for the employee to figure it out on their own. So look at ways of supporting them, creating a supportive environment. Um, If you become aware that an employee is experiencing stress, It'll be important to arrange um, an informal chat with them initially to try and identify the cause of the stress and to try and work together to find solutions. 
this is likely to involve conducting a stress risk assessment. It may also be necessary to seek input from occupational health. And as usual, keep a good record of any measures taken to support the employee and any discussions that you have around stress and ways to avoid this or limit it. So is it necessary to carry out or conduct risk assessments? Yes. Um, where an employer employs five or more employees, a significant finding and a risk assessment must be recorded in writing. Um, the Health and Safety at Work Act sets out the general duty on employers to ensure the health and safety and welfare at work of all employees. There's a duty to provide a safe place of work, safe tools and equipment and a safe system of working. There's more detail in the management of health and safety at work regs. And the emphasis is on prevention. So this will involve risk assessments to identify the risks that employees are exposed to at work and to identify any measures that you may need to take to avoid or limit the risk as far as possible. Um, there's a wealth of information and guidance on the Health and Safety Executive website about risk assessments. And there are also some sample risk assessments. Um, you may want to conduct the risk assessment by whole team or job by job. But if an employee raises the flag about work stress, it's important to conduct an individual assessment and, and at an early stage. Preparing risk assessments and being proactive in this way can be really helpful in the event that the employee does become unwell due to stress. So that you've got a paper trail showing steps were taken to assist them. If they are signed off with work stress, they're making sure that when they return, they won't just be coming back to the same situation, the same stresses, but the positive steps were taken to avoid a relapse. It'll be really difficult to defend a claim and argue that a stress injury wasn't reasonably foreseeable. If it's happened once already, nothing has changed and history repeats itself. So in these cases, even if you have less than five employees, where somebody is suffering with stress, it's really important to document the assessment and any measures put in place um, to avoid a, a recurrence of this. All right, thank you. So can, can, is stress a disability? Can we call it a disability? So for the purposes of the Equality Act to be disabled, the employee must have a physical or mental impairment that has a substantial adverse effect on their ability to carry out day-to-day -day activities. And the types of mental impairment which will be covered by equality legislation is very broad. There's no requirement for an employee to be suffering from a clinically recognised mental illness. The focus will be on the effect that the condition has on day-to-day -day activities. It needs to have lasted or be likely to, to last at least 12 months. So this will rule out most work stress cases as there's a distinction between longer term mental health conditions, which would be a disability, and short term work stress, which in the usual course of events will stop once a source of stress has been taken away and which is unlikely to last a year. Um, the case law is clear that there's a distinction between symptoms of low mood and anxiety, which are caused by clinical depression, and those which are caused by a medicalisation of work problems or adverse life effects. And it will be, be a case of looking behind the loose labels that are given to mental health illnesses, such as anxiety, stress and depression, and looking at the effect that these have on the employee's day-to-day -day activities. If the employee is refusing to compromise over an issue at work, or refuses to return to work, but in all other respects suffers little or no apparent adverse um, effect on their normal day, normal day to day activities, they are unlikely to be disabled. But as ever, this will be decided by the tribunal on a case by case basis and will depend on the medical evidence. So seeking an occupational health or medical assessment at an early stage can be really helpful in these cases. Okay, so here's an interesting one for you. So 
what should we do um, if an employee goes off on stress leave during a disciplinary procedure? This is a common issue and the problem is balancing the need to ensure that matters are dealt with without unreasonable delay and on the other hand ensuring that the employee is genuinely well enough to attend a hearing. So it will also be necessary to consider whether stress or anxiety may have caused or contributed to the misconduct or poor performance and if this is a possibility you may need to suspend the proceedings to assess and ultimately some issues may need to be dropped depending on the circumstances. Commonly, the employee will expect that if they're signed off with stress, they can avoid disciplinary proceedings, but the medical view is often very different. Commonly, the advice will be that for the employee to be able to get better and move on, it will be in their interests to proceed to resolve any underlying dispute or disciplinary. But again, there's a distinction between cases of ongoing mental health and depression and work stress. Occupational health is likely to recommend a postponement in cases of severe depression or where the employee has recently changed or started taking medication. Otherwise, the advice is likely to be to carry on. But occupational health may recommend adjustments, for example, conducting the hearing remotely or inviting them to submit written submissions, allowing them to bring a family member rather than a colleague. But once the medical advice supports proceeding, then it is safer to inform the employee that if they fail to attend without good reason, the meeting can go ahead in their absence. But this should be a last resort. The employee would still have the right to appeal the decision and a full rehearing could be held at that stage if appropriate. Um, Another point on disciplinaries is to take care how any disciplinary action or suspension is communicated to the employee. So put in place safeguards and have in mind care for their well-being to make sure that communicating these types of decisions don't have an adverse mental health reaction. Also ensure confidentiality to avoid unnecessary stress or embarrassment. All right, thank you. So finally, um, what can we do as employers to promote mental well-being at work? Um, So there's lots of different ways of approaching this. Um, So I think reviewing job roles is really important to make sure that demands are reasonable and appropriate, Um, being clear um, in descriptions so that staff understand their duties and their tasks uh, and providing adequate support and training to help staff manage their workloads. Um, If there's a lack of variety in the work, then again, reviewing job roles to create more varied responsibilities um, or can duties be rotated um, and making staff Uh, making sure staff understand why their role and their work is important within the organisation. Controls, another one. So making sure that staff have enough control over what they're doing, clearly defined objectives, but allowing them to control how they approach it, involving them in workplace decisions that affect them via team meetings, um, keeping staff updated about change and considering suggestions making sure that staff understand the reason behind decisions and being honest, even if that means giving bad news to staff. Um, Prompt feedback is really important in response to good work and regular one-to-ones and catch-ups can build good working relationships with open door policies so that team managers can discuss problems at an early stage um, and receive feedback as part of the positive management process to identify problems early on. Um, Look at career development within an organisation to make sure that staff do see um, a career path for them um, and that they can develop and acquire new skills and and experience. 
Um, in some cases, you might need to look at making adjustments for mental health. So even where an employee isn't disabled or the where the condition isn't recognised as a disability, are there ways of supporting um, an employee at an early stage um, to create a healthy work culture, uh, changing physical working environment, homeworking, relocating staff to a quieter area, things like that. And other things like employee assistance programs, providing support um, and with that confidential counselling services. Um, and that can help not only with work stress, but also personal problems that might be having an adverse effect in the workplace. OK, thank you, Laura. Let's leave it there for today. Um, on behalf of myself and Laura, we hope you found this podcast helpful and it gives you some insight and some idea on how to identify and appropriately manage workplace stress. So as ever with our podcast, we aim to give general information on important topics facing the UK businesses. Where complex issues arise, we would always suggest seeking specialist legal advice. If you haven't already done so, you can head over to our website and listen to our other podcasts, including one where we discuss mental or emotional health in more detail. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>